Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. This is the Abby Normal Podcast, here to tell you that you're weird and that's normal. Welcome back to our series about change makers. We've reached the last five months of when in its official capacity. It's also the end of this culture in its current state. The campus was shutting down and would be merging with other brands in a location in another state. So this meant that every employee was debating, do I move myself and my family or do I stay here and do something else? I was on this personal journey as well, visiting the new city, home shopping, looking at schools for my kid, until the abrupt conclusion of my legacy with this company, which I'll tell you all about later. Professionally, changes for me ramped up in January of 2019, with most of my team being laid off, including my supportive manager, who was a member of WEN. I began reporting into the corporate HR team. My partner Letty and I maintained the unconscious bias training for all staff, and took on communication and training related to the campus closure. And WEN wasn't slowing down either. They were still focused on their mission and supporting women, whether they were going to be moving to a new city or a job elsewhere. As Bridget mentioned earlier, the career development team was producing two learning opportunities during this time. One was the Confident Women Empowered Men program, and the other was called Work Smart. Women were hungry for hard skills, to be able to advocate for themselves with their manager or during an interview, to show up confidently and competently. So Wynn partnered with AAUW, a leader in the fight to end pay discrimination, increase economic security for women and families, and advance equity in the workplace. Here's Bridget with a little about AAUW and their mission. American Association of University Women has been around since the 1880s. They have been through women's suffrage. Um, They're based out of Washington, D.C. They do a lot of work on Capitol Hill. I met the president in churches. should look her up. She's phenomenal. They created a mission for themselves to get their message out to create pay parity and pay equity for all to 10 million women. How do you do that? You can't charge for expensive classes. So they decided to start networking and getting people involved, volunteers involved who had been through this course that takes you step by step through a process on how to identify what it is that you want, what you need, and how to get it. And that includes bell curves and looking into pay equity and you know what other people with your experience are making and then looking at your own strengths and you know being able to compile that information and bring it to the table and have this conversation with your manager. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for us we had a woman come in from I think it was JP Morgan, I could be mistaken. Yeah, that sounds about right. I thought she was like CFO somewhere. Yeah. And she gave a 3-hour lecture, gave her own time completely voluntary basis. We expected 
20 to 25 people. We had over 90. It was standing room. Everybody was taking notes, very interested to see and learn and hear what this woman had to say. And it was the second time she had done this. Poor thing. <laughs> really. That big of a group. <laughs> Terrifying. Congratulations. <laughs> Yay. We thought it was going to be 20 people. Just don't, don't look left. Okay. <laughs> but she did. I thought she did a great job. Well, people may have missed a little bit of information here and there. They were able to actually walk away with something physical, you know, with this information. About a month later, I was talking to a male coworker of mine. He had been given a promotion with no pay increase. He was furious about it. And I said, hey, I just went through this class with this AAUW organization and they gave some really effective tools. And um, so I sat down with him, talked to him for I don't know, a half hour or so. He said, well, can you send me this workbook? And so I sent it over to him and then kind of forgot about it. And about three weeks later, he caught me in the hallway and he said, hey, I just wanted you to know I talked to my boss's boss. I didn't even talk to my boss. I talked to uh, the next guy up. I totally used the information that was in the workbook and I got everything I wanted. It was fantastic. <laughs> and it was like, that's so great. And he, I mean, oh gosh, this guy, yes, he deserved that. Um, <laughs> he's, he's amazing. It also goes to show it can work for anybody and, and everybody suffers with these issues. And, and the important thing about when is that even though we are the women's empowerment network, if we exclude men from this organization, then it's a bunch of people with the same issue and the same people and the same problems. And I think in order to create change, you need to have somebody different sitting at the table. You know, so often we, as women, don't get to sit on chairs or boards of organizations. You know, they have all male organizations. And it's statistically proven that even inviting one woman to be on an executive board usually results in a much more diverse and overall more effective board or panel. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it works. It definitely has to work both ways. And so I'm really happy that we were able to be as inclusive as we were within the WEN organization with men and women as well. Yeah, thank you for uh, bringing that up because you're right. I think we do need to mention that both of the programs you put on, men were invited and attended. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I really appreciated the AAUW workshop because for me, it was about being able to be armed with data about your value in the marketplace. Oftentimes, at least for me, I can really get caught up in the emotions of wanting a raise or being ready for a raise or wondering why I didn't get one or uh, being scared about having a conversation with my supervisor about it, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, if you just have the data to be able to say, this is what my skills and my role are worth in the marketplace, 
then it doesn't need to be an emotional conversation. It's just yep. about dollars and cents. And it, yep. I may look at the data and go, oh, I'm actually making what I should be making. And I'm making the same amount as a male in this role would make. And I should be happy with that. And so I think that that's just such important information for everyone to have. Yep. Yeah. Use your tools, access your tools, go on Glassdoor, whatever it is, so yep. that you know. Absolutely. It should not be arbitrary. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know that um, my supervisor was not happy with me for allowing that workshop to happen. Uh, yeah, we got, um, I know I had to take one or two phone calls from corporate, somebody I didn't even know. And, and another person whom I did that was asking a lot of questions why, you know, what is the point of this? And hey, we want you to know that has reached pay parity. And, and it was like, it's actually, it's a moving target. It's not, you can't ever reach pay parity <laughs> because somebody in, in some position across the organization is not going to be making the same amount of money or will not have the exact same uh, compensation or uh, same amount of stock. That's just, it's in, and you know, to say that it, that you have reached pay parity within an organization just goes to show that you actually don't even really know the meaning of the term. My assumption, because you're listening to this podcast, is that you know what the gender pay gap is. But if you don't, it is the gap between what women are paid and what men are paid. The most commonly cited gender pay gap statistic in the United States compares the median annual earnings of women who work full-time against the median annual earnings of men who work full-time. In 2019, the most recent year for which the federal government released data, women were paid 18% less than men. Put another way, women make 82 cents on the dollar. And look, they calculate this gender pay gap in lots of different ways, including only full-time workers, including full and part-time, comparing average earnings over the course of the year or the course of the week or hourly, comparing workers within only a particular state or geographic area, comparing workers with a particular industry, comparing race subgroups, considering only workers with or without disabilities, looking at the gender pay gap by education level. Every way that they cut it, Women are making less than men. So what pay parity means is that women are being paid the same as men for the same kind of work. And just to bring it around to our last episode where we were talking about flexible work and caregiving subsidies, women are more likely than men to work part-time. And among full-time workers, men work longer hours on average than women do. However, on average, women do more housework and care work than men, so men's longer work hours are subsidized and facilitated by unpaid labor done by women. So let me give you the quick backstory here. First of all, the relationship with AAUW and the planning of this workshop predates the company deciding to relocate. So by the time that this workshop rolled around, things were getting dicey, right? People were deciding whether they were going to stay with the company or not, which leads to conversations with managers and potentially people wanting to negotiate things like positions, title, and salaries, which then puts the company on the defensive. Secondly, 
Wynn knew that the question of pay parity was going to come up during and following this workshop. So what they did was try to reach out to the corporate team to get the information in advance. This was all done in good faith. Wynn wanted to stand up in front of that workshop and say, hey, we don't have a gender pay gap here. Or at least be honest, hey, we do, and here's what the company is doing to address it. Back to Bridget's conversation with the two company representatives. I asked her what she thought they were trying to communicate. That they didn't want questions. So they had said, uh, we don't want this causing commotion and uh, we're not going to be releasing any information, you know, because we had, you know, for yes. some statistics. Yes. And yes. they said, absolutely not. We will absolutely not release anything, any information. And nobody should be asking about this. This is inappropriate. We're going to be there while this class is going on. But we want you to know that we are not at liberty to discuss, you know, from a legal perspective, yeah, any of this, this information on pay equity or gender equity or providing you with any statistics as to how many, you know, women we have in the organization at a certain level that's not for you. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, that's interesting that she claimed that they had pay parity, but none of that data would be released. So you were to just take her word for that. Yes. Got it. She told us about the pay parity at the higher levels within corporate that they had reached pay parity. You know, they were still working on some lower levels, but <laughs> uh-huh. you think? <laughs> wow, that's oh. fascinating. Yeah, so that all trickled right onto my head. <laughs> well, and that's what I had later heard. Somebody had said something to me and they were like, they weren't happy with you. You were the one who did that AAUW thing. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so so you're saying there was direct career impact from yeah. that workshop? Yeah. Got it. <laughs> Blessing in disguise. Oh, of course. Right? Totally. Like, of course. I don't, I would, I want to take a shower just talking yeah, about this. I, know, I do. Me too. I do so, too. This is that part that I'm like, Ugh. you can still get me riled up. Like my back is all stressed right now. Ugh, and I need a fan. It just feels dirty. It well, feels so gross. You know what's, I mean, it's all dirty, but what's the most dirty about it is you were having a conversation with the director of and the director, and they're both women. So these are females that should be experts in this who are not supporting women being educated about how to get the pay they deserve. That is some dirty shit, Bridget. It's so gross. It's so just like, Yeah. What are you doing? Uh, I started to get very disheartened you know, when I started poking around about like, maybe I want to go into like, you know, people keep trying to push me towards human resources or, you know, saying that that's where I should go if I stay in corporate. And somebody was like, 
yeah, but if you work for corporate, you are not working on behalf of the people. You're working on behalf of the corporation. Regardless, you got 90 plus people the tools they need to speak up for themselves. Yeah, and I may have been very unpopular with some, but I, I hope I, I know I helped one person and that was enough for me mm-hmm. and I was happy to do it and it felt good and honestly it kind of felt good to stick it to him a little <laughs> for something that's right you know yes for something that's right exactly something that's right I think that when it opened not only my eyes but I think that it opened up my passion and my heart to what it is that I want to pursue and what I want to do. I know what that feeling is and, and what doing something, doing the right thing that feels good mm-hmm. is in doing it for, for the betterment of women and for men who are looking for that equality. As mentioned, The head of my department, located far away at the corporate offices, contacted me following this training and made it clear she was not happy with the content AAUW provided. She felt that it did not align with the corporation's procedures. Obviously, that left a bad taste in my mouth. But I wasn't in much of a position to argue with her. We were just beginning to develop a relationship, and I was merely a member of WEN and a go-between between WEN and HR. I didn't dictate what WEN did or didn't do. It was a democracy, and one that corporate HR did not control. Yet. Then, in my final month, I got a new manager. Things were moving fast, we were all so busy with the move. But I did have my performance review meeting per usual process, and all was well. I was meeting and exceeding expectations in my role. Then, three things happened in my final three weeks. Perhaps they're related to the conclusion of my story. Perhaps not. I'll lay them out, and you can decide. One. You know that the culture committee had proposed changes to the flexible work policy, and I had reviewed them with decision makers, with very little positive reception. But they were working their way through the chain. Finally, the head of regional HR called a meeting with her team for us to share the proposal. We did so, and I'm not sure how it was received, but what I do remember is that when I left that conference room, she caught sight of a tattoo on my wrist, and she said, that's not real, is it? She caught my eye, and I could see it there. The shock and the displeasure. If you have a lot of tattoos, or if you're a human with any kind of chosen outward appearance that is non-traditional, then you'll know exactly the tone of voice these kinds of questions are set in. You know the look, the curl of the lip, that communicates that something is wrong with you, and your choice of appearance is... Yucky. Bizarre. My tattoo was the WEN logo. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not crazy. I didn't necessarily get it because of my love for a corporate employee resource group. 
But I did get it because I feel strongly about women's empowerment, about the strength of women, and about the bonds that women are capable of making with one another. And I got it because Donnie said, when I put my fist up, it will be the first thing they see. Two. Things were weird. As people had started to leave the company, new employees were being hired in another state, and teams were beginning to be a mishmash of old and new. This was the case on my team. So an old colleague scheduled a happy hour and invited everyone. Lots of people said that they would be there. And then when she showed up, there was two people. It turned out one of the new directors decided to schedule a happy hour at the same time, just for her team. This caused a lot of hurt feelings and division. So following the happy hour, I called the director, told her what had happened, and that people were upset. She said she wasn't aware that there might be sensitive feelings involved around this old, new employee division, and the perceived treatment of one over the other. This is not the interesting part of the story. This is normal life in an organization. What was disturbing is that a couple days later, my manager scheduled a call with me. She asked about this interaction, what I said, and why. She said that providing feedback like this, up the chain, is not beneficial to us or our work. That we need to make this person our political ally, and giving her negative feedback is not the way to do it. So, guys and gals, she is not wrong. Giving feedback may not ingratiate yourself to someone. But here's the big problem with what my manager was saying. I had stood up in front of hundreds of employees in our company-sponsored unconscious bias training and told them that feedback is key to changing a culture, to making diversity work, to creating an inclusive environment for everyone. I explained how to give feedback in a way that builds trust and decreases defensive reactions. I told them that the company wants them to give feedback if they encounter microaggressions. And remember, this training came from the company's Inclusion and Diversity Action Plan. I was saying that on behalf of the company, not myself and not even when, the company. And now my own manager was telling me that's not the case. If there is feedback I need to give, it needs to go through her first. I told her that did not align with my values. I didn't feel right about going to her first. That felt like gossiping, like talking shit on someone, like some high school thing. Adult professional humans should be able to talk straight up with one another if they have the tools to do so. In her follow-up email, she said, I appreciate your willingness to listen to the feedback shared around the happy hour conversation you had. I'm here if you need a sounding board on any future situations that might seem a bit sensitive in nature. Sensitive in nature. This was a conversation about a happy hour. What can be sensitive is telling someone that what they said was racist, or that no, they can't touch your hair, or that you're actually born in America, for God's sake, or that no, you are allowed more than a minute to talk, or asking why you're the only woman in the room, or asking if your partner is invited to the holiday party. Telling someone they may have made the wrong choice about their happy hour scheduling? No. 
not sensitive. Here's how feedback should work. The only time that I actually did have some situation with somebody kind of speaking to me in a way, it was the VP. And he said a few things over the course of like a week or so. And of course I sit with myself and I'm like, oh, do I want to say something? No, I don't want to say, but, and it ate me up inside. And finally I just got the courage and I said, hey, do you, do you have a minute? And I took him and I sat and I blatantly just laid it out on the table. And I don't know whether he was sincere, but he was like, no, I didn't mean to say, like, I'm sorry that it didn't come across. If anything like that happens, like, please let me know. So I feel like afterwards our relationship changed a little bit and I got a little bit more respect just based on the fact that I sat, I said, hey, this is not okay. You know, I've had to sit down with him and I was very direct and I feel like it got us a little place, little by little by little by little. Three. So things were starting to feel personally messy, but in a way I couldn't put my finger on. A weird look from a leader, feedback on feedback. Wen was planning some fun events for the campus closure and planning for what Wen will look like when the company moved. Most of the board and most members were not relocating. They wanted to have some kind of leadership structure in place to keep momentum going. So as a board member with some experience, I was nominated and voted in as interim president. I had a lot of apprehension based on my current job situation and role within HR. Here's Donnie. We just knew that you had the knowledge and the expertise more than anybody else in that room that was going to. And so we pushed you to that point and we tried to say, we'll safeguard you with letting other people talk, but you should be in this role because you have the most knowledge around it. You kept saying, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. And we kept pushing it. And and that was kind of bullying of us. But I think we were just afraid that we would lose this whole momentum if we had these new women in power that hadn't gone through any of the stuff that we had gone through. That's it. That's the three things in three weeks. And here's the conclusion. I had created an inclusion roadmap that included everything from the Diversity and Inclusion Action Plan out of the Ceilings campaign, ideas from the Diversity ERG on how to create inclusion, and takeaways from all the unconscious bias training. I shared it with my manager and the regional diversity and inclusion person and stated that we should discuss who and how to keep these things moving. Well, my manager made it clear that these things were no longer within my role and I needed to hand them fully off to the DNI person. My manager's tone was clear. These are not a priority anymore. Get rid of them. I did that. And then a day later, had that ominous meeting pop up on your calendar. Your manager and an HR person, no meeting description. My manager told me that this role was no longer the right one for me. 
When I pushed back, she said that HR did not trust me. I remember calling you and then you at that moment you were just like, well, I'm not with them anymore. And I called to apologize and say, you know what, you don't have to be prepped. You know, like, of course, this is jeopardizing your job. Like, if you feel this is wrong, sorry for putting and it was too late. So, yeah, I felt frustrated and upset and angry at myself and uh, and what we did. And but you were so fucking good as the secretary. You were so good. Everything. I mean, we couldn't have done so much of that culture stuff without you. Like, I'll be forever grateful for you for that. And I'm sorry if what we pushed you to do ultimately ended up you losing your job because that's kind of fucking uncool of us boys. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it wasn't your fault, but thank you. <laughs> My husband always jokes that like, this is the tattoo that got me fired. He was like, your boss saw that tattoo and knew, <laughs> knew what team you were on. <laughs> I don't regret it. So what do you think? Should HR, my own team, have trusted me? I mean, I want to say yes. I was always honest and open and communicative about my work and the work I did within WIN. But let's be honest, WIN were change makers. They were pushing against the status quo. So if leadership on my team was holding tight to that status quo, then yes, I guess I'm not trustworthy. Because I was not at all down for ignoring the problems, the suffering of employees, or the boys club. I had put a target on my back by speaking up. Things had taken a turn for the worse for me personally, but some great things were happening for Wynn in general. They had a seat at the table, so to speak. When leadership got a meeting with the CEO, here's Donnie. The vice president and I, which, you know, we should have just been co-chairs because I couldn't have done anything without Amy, you know? So her and I got to have a round table with and he listened. We said everything we wanted to say. I thought we were going to be all timid and not want to say, but we were bold and Lauren was in there, made Lauren bold to, for her employee resource group. We talked about all the information that the culture committee put together about daycare and the new building, work-life balance, flexible scheduling. I mean, I even made like head of HR um, uncomfortable when I was kind of schooling them on like, okay, a woman comes in for a job and you offer the woman $70,000. A man comes in, you offer him $70,000. The man's gonna ask for $15,000 more and the woman's gonna take it. So it starts in your department before it starts anywhere else for parity to begin. Amen. And that made her really nervous looking. And we, seriously, Amy and I were like, when we left that meeting, we're like, well, we're either gonna be patted on the back or we're gonna be out on our doorstep, you know, like, you're starting your severance now. 
<laughs> but I think maybe because and since needed to get on board, he needed to get on board just like Nike did all the big companies. He has a very big brand and he needed that inclusion and diversity director. And he needed somebody to come in and do that. He needed to be held accountable as well. So the director of IND had somebody sit in. She was our director at our campus. So smart because she's taken notes. Sadly, she left as well, like all of us, but when started a little fire, other people got really excited on other campuses uh, about being ERGs and wanted to be part of WEN. I don't know how many different people, even in Europe, and that was really cool. Donnie also got to speak on behalf of WEN at the All Company meeting. At the end of it all, at the, I don't know when we had that, when I had to get up on stage in front of everybody, I was petrified. Again, sitting at this executive suite conference room next to the president's office with executives around the table talking about what we're going to say tomorrow. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm gonna fucking flop in front of all of you. Because <laughs> I don't do this kind of shit. I don't get up in front of an entire theater full of people. And yeah, talk you're about like, shit. Um, I'm an artist, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was just like, what the fuck? But I was in a good mindset. I was, I was shifting my mindset into where I was gonna come here. You know, because I, I, I had senioritis, that kind of thing. And I, I think right before I went to bed, or right when I got up in the morning, I just shifted my mind. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm getting up on stage. I'm a fucking color designer. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to speak for these women. I'm speaking Amen. for them. <laughs> that allowed me to realize that I got empowered as well. You know, I saw a lot of empowerment happen. But that definitely made me feel like all of those executives around the table are just people. They're not celebrities. They're not better than me. They might be well-versed, more well-versed or educated, but I was passionate. That's all it needed to be. Right. So. Right. And I think there's empowerment in going, I'm an expert in my own experience. And because of the past two years, I'm an expert in the women's experience on this campus with this company. So executives may have more business experience than me, but they're was, not experts yeah, in women's exactly. experience on this campus. Yeah. I felt like we did a good job. I think that, you know, and I, I can't just say I, I mean, there's no, there's no way to say I. This was Wynn's high point. They had just provided coveted salary negotiation training, and the president stood up at the all-company meeting to share Wynn's mission and their efforts to develop and elevate women. For me, I hit the stark realization that I would not be relocating my family. I would need to collect the deposit I put on a new home. I would cancel the school enrollment for my child, and I would pursue a new path. But the little win engine would continue chugging along because as long as the bro culture persisted, there would be women to oppose it. 
Next episode, we'll talk about Wynn's final days and what has happened since 2019 when the company moved. For a preview, here's Lindsay and Ariel. Even on the very first moment that I got in, we sat down and had lunch and we were very transparent on saying, we get it, like we're here with corporate and we have a bunch of different brands, but we need to make sure that we still maintain our voice and we're still dealing with that push and pull today. I think what Lindsay and Molly have tried to do is try to keep that grassroots community and, and theme, but we've seen a little bit more of apprehension and a little bit of continuing being part of leadership. 